We've been talking about Christ the healer. We want to continue on. This is week five. Remember, we made some statements that are pretty powerful. We said that when you look at the ministry of Jesus, all that he said, all that he did, you can see the will of God for all men for all time. Jesus said, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? And so we're looking at some principles of healing, but really, if you notice, healing is so important in this time, but it's principles of faith, how we lay hold of anything. So you could take Christ the healer, and we could change the title to Christ the provider, Christ the strengthener. I mean, it's, it's all Christ. It's all Jesus, right? So we looked at, there are 19 individual cases of healing. And we're kind of going, we're not going to go through all of them unless the Lord directs us. But we're, we were picking certain ones so that we can see some things. We looked at the woman who was healed, who had a spirit of infirmity, 18 years. This lady was bowed over. She couldn't straighten up for 18 years. Been coming to the synagogue every Sabbath day for 18 years. And Jesus let everybody know that this lady is a daughter of Abraham and has a legal right to be freed from another thing we learned from this story, from Satan who is oppressing her. Satanic oppression. All sickness and disease has its root in satanic oppression. Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Right, so we learned some things in that story. The the blind man that was healed at Bethsaida, we talked about him. Jesus takes this guy out of the town because Bethsaida had rejected his ministry. So many reject. Well, you know, I just don't believe in that God stuff. I'm an atheist. Are you? I think I'm going to go with what God says. That in the heart of every man who comes into the world, they know there's a God. But when they choose not to glorify him as God, and this is, have you ever made that decision? I mean, we, we understand this. When you choose not to glorify God as God, and you're not thankful, God has to do this because he won't violate your will. He gives the person over to their vain imaginations and their foolish heart is darkened. And I'm an atheist. What that means is, man, I get to live and do whatever I want to do. That's like, and, and yet they think they're driving down PCH in California in their nice Lamborghini or whatever, but what they don't realize is they're going off a, a short pier in shark-infested waters. So, so we see some stories here. The blind man at Bethsaida, Jesus met him right where he was, and then he took him out of the environment of unbelief, and he, and, and he healed him, and then he told him, don't even go back there. Don't tell anybody there that, you're, that you got healed. I want you to not associate. He told his disciples, don't go to Bethsaida. They rejected. Interesting. Showing that God's will, again, is, is to meet you right where you are and help you get in a place to receive. If he has to remove you out of the environment, whatever, right? The leper, 
The leper was healed. We talked about him. He comes to Jesus and he's like, I know you can heal me, but will you? And Jesus reaches out and touches the leper who's full of leprosy. And, he's, and literally in the, in the literal English of the Greek, it would read, of course I will, I always will. As a matter of fact, we have, we have churches and seminaries teaching that God heals, these are educated men and women, God heals some and not others, but that is not what the Bible teaches. 19 individual cases of healing in the ministry of Jesus, the nobleman's son, the centurion's servant, the woman with the issue of blood, Jairus' daughter, all of these, all of these stories handpicked by the Holy Spirit to help us. 19 of them, 10 out of the 19, as we said this many times, you, Jesus said things like this, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Put the determining factor on the faith of the individual in 10 of the 19. Seven of the other nine, he didn't say that, but you can see their faith. You can see it all the way through. Only two of the 19 did Jesus come and heal somebody by a move of God, had nothing to do with the faith of the individual. It was a gift of healing or a working of a miracle. But there's not one where Jesus looked at a person and said, you know, my son or my daughter, God's ways are higher than your ways, and this is your cross to bear. It's not my will to heal you. There'd have to be two to three in order to make that a doctrine, but there's not even one. The only cases where Jesus was unable to heal people was when they treated him as common in his own hometown. And it says he was, he was, able to, he was unable to really do anything but heal a few folks with minor ailments because of their unbelief. Interesting stuff, isn't it? So let's look at the ministry of Jesus just a little bit. We lack understanding of how Jesus ministered in his earthly ministry. And we have to understand this. People think, man, he was the son of God and he was just on the earth and he could do all things and man, it was just all him. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus, he, it, the Bible says, well, I'll read it, Philippians 2. Philippians 2, verse 6 through verse 8. It says this about God, about Jesus when he came to this earth. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And they're talking about Jesus. But made himself of no reputation. He made, this Greek word reputation means to make of no effect. It literally means to empty. So here is Jesus. Here he is, right? He's, he's, he's God. He is the, he's on the earth. He's the creator of everything. Remember, you know how the Trinity always works, right? God the Father comes up with the plan. Jesus carries out the plan. And the Holy Spirit reveals the plan. But the Bible says Jesus made himself of no reputation. He emptied himself. I mean, I wonder how long that took. Oof. 
ultimate power, all this stuff. He emptied himself. And then he grew up, grew in favor with God and man as he meditated in Scripture. Right? But he emptied himself of all that he is as, as God. And then he got baptized in the Jordan River. And the Holy Spirit came and filled him back up. The Bible says that in Jesus was all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. But, but he, he emptied himself. He did not operate as the creator of the universe on the earth. He operated as a man that was anointed by God to be our example on how we are to live. Boy, even saying these things, man, some of that old denominational stuff on the inside of me is kind of, I mean, I could feel it going throughout the, it's just, it's like, wait. No, 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 we're talking about Jesus. He's God, yes. But he didn't operate as God on the earth. He operated as a man anointed by God. It says, and he took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion, this this Greek word fashion means, and being found in his manner of life as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. I mean, think about it. Could you imagine... Jesus is being spit on, beaten. He's carrying this 120-pound log up to a place to get crucified. They're mocking him. All this stuff is happening. And at any time, he says, I could call legions of angels. Not that it would take legions to wipe out any Roman armies that were there. Legions of angels. You know, angels. I mean... What, what's the first thing an angel says when he appears to any human? Fear not. Because why? They're probably pretty intense. You know? I've never seen a 14-foot bodybuilder who is a 100th degree in every martial arts form. And, right? I, I, you know, pretty intense-looking guys, right? It says, In being found in manner of life as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. So we need to gain understanding of these things because I'm telling you, you and I are to walk around being led by the Spirit of God, ministering to people as Jesus did. Sixty times, if you look at the Gospels and take an aerial view of them, sixty times Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. Five times in the four Gospels, he calls himself the Son of God. wonder what the emphasis is there. There, He's trying to tell us something. I mean, he curses a fig tree, and they're like, Jesus, check this out, man. The fig tree you cursed is withered up. And he's like, yeah, let me tell you how to operate in the faith of God. It's whosoever. It's for anybody. Sounds like Jesus was wanting to bring the kingdom of heaven to this earth. Right? Man, I'll tell you, I hope it would be awesome. You know, I I think there's a good chance the rapture of the church will probably happen on a feast day, the Feast of Trumpets. Every September, Jeanette and I are like, okay, 
Lord, we just want you to know, we are, because I want that reward, you know? I, I, I'm looking. I'm ready. You know, I, I mean, feel like there's more stuff I got to do down here, but you know, if you want to interrupt that, it's totally fine, right? 2020, Christians are going, oh Lord, just get me out of here. This place is crazy, right? No, that's not, our, that's not the way it should be. So we look for his return. But I got to tell you, we're going to walk in strength and power. Right? We're to walk as Jesus walked on the earth. John 14.10. Look at what he said. John 14.10. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? I mean, this is Jesus talking. First of all, people had to be freaking out because nobody said even Jehovah. It's like, this is God. You don't even say his name. And Jesus is not calling him Jehovah. He's calling him his Father. He says, the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me he does the works. What? We got to get this right, guys. Because we're thinking, oh, Jesus, if you could only come and heal me. He's here. He's in you. We are the body of Christ. You are his mouth. You are his hands. And as his father told him what to say and what to do, the Spirit of God, the mighty Holy Spirit, tells you and I what to say, what to do, where to go. And this is why it's so important that we understand this. John chapter 5, verse 19. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, now this verily is a very strong word in the Greek, strongest. But when you say, when you see verily, verily, wow, right? Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do what? Nothing? Of himself. Isn't pride funny? You see people, well, I could say all of us have done this, but let's just talk about other people, okay? <laughs> it'll, it'll be easier, it's more palatable, right? Other people, never us, right, that have just been like, Man, I, I'm really good. I, I got this. I remember my hero growing up. My hero. Hero of heroes. Had every picture. I mean, I'd cut him out in all the basketball magazines, but they were all over my room. Dr. J. Julius Irving. Wow. I remember the year he uh, was retiring, his last year in the NBA. Uh, I was in New York in a convention, and he was speaking there, and I got to meet him. Oh, man. Humble man. He told me, he said, Tony, because I'm like, you're a Christian. He's like, oh, yeah. He said, God has given me this talent, got me out of the, you know, got him out of, of the inner city that he was living in. He's given me this glorious life. I owe it all to him. I've met other NBA players. They walk in a room, check me out. I've got it, man. 
I'm thinking of a couple now. You're just like going, excuse me, I got to go throw up, please, you know. (laughs) But Jesus, look at this. The son can do nothing of himself. Can you see why he was meek and lowly? He was humble. You know, humility at its very core definition is believing the truth. You can think you're all that, but guess what? What if that heir, which belongs to God, what if he didn't give you air to breathe in his lungs to affect his body, right? Oh, that brain you have, guess what? All the gifts you have, Bible says he placed them all in you, right? The son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do, for what things soever he doeth, These also doeth the Son likewise. So what did Jesus do? He lived his life. Remember John 1.1? In the beginning, boy, I wish my wife wasn't working in the nursery. I love this Greek word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Jesus was face to face with his Father. In other words, when Jesus walked on this earth, his eyes were fixed on the Father, so that he knew what to say and what to do. The guy at Bethsaida who was blind. Hey, Jesus, we're friends of this guy. He's he's been blind for a while, used to have his sight. Can you lay hands on him and heal him? Jesus is like, yeah, sure, I'll minister to him. And, And he grabs him by the hand, walks him out of town, and his friends are probably walking going, do we have to go all the way out of town? Because we, you know, falafel cities right there. The International House of Falafels is right here. We wanted lunch. And then Jesus, instead of touching him, he spits on him and then touches him. Does it differently. Why did he do that? Because his father. Why did Jesus do everything he did? So he was our example. Everything he did, he said, I only say what I, what I hear my father say. I only do what I see him do. Do you see how that is the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus? It's the love of God. Jesus never considered himself. Now, there were times when he's like, how much longer do I have to be with you? Right? Because he's like, where's your faith? All this stuff. But he never considered himself, and that connected him to faith and everything that God would do through him. The law of the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. What is that? The law of sin and death is the very nature of Satan. It's selfishness. It's self-centeredness. What comes out of it? Fear. What, what is it connected to? Everything that the enemy can do to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. Romans chapter 8 lays that out. So he was free on the earth because, I mean, he wasn't governed by anything. Demons are manifesting. He's not moved by that. He's not moved by anything in the earth, and neither are you or I. We're not to be moved. Why do we get moved? Because we get our eyes on other things. Right? Now, I'm sure you've never done that, so I'll just take, I'll just say, wow, I've done that a few times. I've went to that concert, right? Bought the t-shirt, you know, bought the eight-track tape for all you guys that are a little older right downloaded for all the younger guys right right 
So then in John chapter 5, verse 30, this is 11 verses later. It says this. Now, this, this word is God-breathed. God wanted this to be in the Bible. It's forever settled in heaven. Jesus said this, I can of my own self do nothing. That's Jesus. Does, do you think, see, in the satanic church, they have, this, they have the satanic Bible and they also have the book of the law. And the book of the law, it literally is a book, it's only one law. And the law is this, whatever you want to do, do it. That's it. Most, most quoted song in every genre of music, rap, everything, Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. That'll lead you right into death, right? Jesus didn't do it his way. Could it be that man is not created to live this lower life and just do things by themselves. But man has been born of God to unite in oneness with him and to do everything with God. That's what's called Zoe life. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. It's amazing how Jesus, he walked in all five-fold ministry gifts. All of it. Do you know the body of Christ on the earth? We, work, we walk in all of it together. Jesus, as the Messiah, never forget this, is in a class by himself. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. However, as he ministered on the earth, he is not in a class by himself. We are to do his works. In Matthew chapter chapter 4, in verse 23, it literally defines the ministry of Jesus. Matthew 4, 23. It says, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. What is the gospel of the kingdom? The kingdom is here. And it says, and what else did he do? And healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. This Greek word means crippling and debilitating diseases among the people. Isn't that cool? A crippling or a debilitating disease. Wow. I mean, that's wonderful, right? Have have you ever been diagnosed and and they said, man, uh, your knee is, is going backwards here. It's all getting worn out or your spine or your, your shoulder. We're we're messing with job security for my son-in-law now. But, you know, he could screw some things and fix some things and make it great, take away some pain. But Jesus went about literally healing, crippling and debilitating diseases. 
diabetes, debilitating, cancer, went about teaching. Notice it started with teaching, preaching, and healing among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases. This, is, this Greek word is describing a terminal disease with no cure. And torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those which had the palsy, which means they were paralyzed. And he healed them. Now, this is an interesting word. He healed them. Let me, let me say it correctly. Therapuo. That's the Greek word. Therapuo. It means he progr- it's a progressive healing. Not everybody in the ministry of Jesus was healed instantly. Many times it was a progressive. As they went, they were healed. They just progressively got better. See, We miss some of these things if we don't understand them. Amen? So let's talk about the healing of the nobleman's son. The healing of the nobleman's son. Go over to John chapter 4. I had no idea. I have all these different individual healings, and I'm like, Lord, which one? But this is a good one. Just like all the other 18 of them are, right? This is my favorite for 10 minutes till 10 on Sunday morning right now. John chapter 4, verse 46. This is an interesting one because, well, first of all, this was the second miracle in the ministry of Jesus. Remember, turning water into wine was the first. This is the second miracle. The Bible lists healing of the nobleman's son. This, 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 is unlike a lot of the other healings in that it's only in the Gospel of John. Most of the other 19 are in Matthew, Mark, or Luke, to all, either all of them or some of them. But this one is only in John. Verse 46, So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine, and there was a certain nobleman. Now, in the Amplified Bible, it brings out the Greek, a nobleman would have been a royal official. So this is a guy that he's not telling people, he's not being told what to do, right? He's telling people what to do. He's got servants, he's got staff. He has a position of prominence, probably a very wealthy man. You know, he, he's, he's at the top echelon right there of his community, right? Or wherever he's from. He's a royal official. He's a man of great influence and great wealth. Okay? So the nobleman, there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. So now Cana of Galilee is about 15, we'll say 15 to 20 miles because depending upon where he was, where where this man lived in Capernaum, versus where he was in Cana, probably 15 to 20 miles. I mean, that's no big deal, right? No big deal for us in a car. But this is an overnight journey for the noblemen. This is ours, 
right? So no doubt, if he, in an overnight journey, he probably would have had soldiers with him to protect him. I mean, there's probably a large group of people with him. But you got to get this. There was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. Verse 47. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him. So now picture this. A man of wealth and influence is living in a, a very nice home. He has access to the best doctors. He has access to everything. And his son is sick but he heard that Jesus is coming from Judea back to Capernaum, which I believe is where Jesus lived. That's where his house was. You know, but he, they, he heard. So this man is hearing about Jesus. It influences him enough to get all, everybody together to get ready to go on an overnight journey to go find Jesus. Now think about that. He hears he's coming. Is there a guarantee that he's coming? I don't know. I, you know, because he didn't have a cell phone, right? He couldn't just call, hey, Jesus, I'm going to come see you. Can you make sure you're available? No. He just had to, he had to go, an overnight journey. So think about, think about this. This guy had to be pretty fully persuaded that something was going to happen if he could get to Jesus. What was he What did he base that on? He based that on what he had heard about Jesus. How does faith come? By hearing, right? So uh, so when he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him. So he requested of Jesus that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So now the stakes are getting higher. If my son David was at the point of death, I don't think I would ever want to leave his side for an overnight journey because, oh my gosh, I, don't, I, want, I would want to be there at the end of his life. But this man heard that Jesus, who's healing multitudes, he was willing to leave his son and go on an overnight journey to request that Jesus would come back to his house and heal his son. I mean, see, this is what's happening in the body of Christ today. We read these stories and we're like, yeah, whatever. But these are real. This is not fantasy. And it's, and it's designed to build faith. When you hear the word of God, faith is birth, you will do whatever it takes. whatever it takes and see why are we not seeing miracles in the church today because it's like we're zombies bless me bless me bless me god please help me right we're we're up to here with us man i got this you know all this stuff but if we'll if we'll get back down in our spirit you'll see that there's a hunger for god you'll see who you really are So now, it says here, well, first of all, let's look at this. We see the man's humility in that he came to Jesus, right? Note, here's a principle, and you're going to see it in every story. Faith and humility 
go hand in hand. You're not going to have great faith if you're not humble. You cannot be in faith until you are in a position of humility. Until you are in a position where you're like, God, I'm putting all of my trust in you and nothing else. Now, thank God for doctors. Thank God for surgeons. Thank God for that help, for medicine. We pray for them. We pray that God would give give them better ways to do and better medicines. But they are not the healer God is. They support him. Right? So humility and faith go hand in hand. but, But look at this man. He's used to calling all the shots. The man is requesting that the way that Jesus healed his son is that he comes to his house in Capernaum. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first saw that, I'm like, how many times? Lord, man, Lord, I will serve you with my whole life in ministry as long as I could pastor a church and uh, about four miles at the most inland, not even... Orange County, no, South Orange County, Laguna Niguel would be great, Mission Viejo, you know, this area. I mean, I'll serve you with my whole life. God, God, I I want you, have you ever seen this? Sister so-and-so comes down and she stands right here and God healed her back. And for the next 10 years, She's coming. She's got, if she comes down in a healing line and there's somebody standing there, it's like, what am I going to do? Wait, no, I have to stand right here. God, I want, I I know you could heal me here, but here, no, no, it's not. See, this guy wanted Jesus to do it his way. You don't tell God how to heal you. You remember the story about Naaman and the leper in 2 Kings? Naaman's this big military guy. He's got leprosy. And he gets ticked when the prophet won't come out. The prophet's like, yeah, go down, you know, go down to the river. Go down to the Elkhorn River. Dip seven times. Don't, don't go to the Pacific Ocean where it's nice and clear. No, no, go down to this like river that's filthy. Basically is what what he told him to do. Dip seven times, you'll be healed. And, and the man leaves, and he's ticked. You know, he's probably thinking, you know, if it wouldn't cause an international conflict here, I'd probably have that guy killed right now. <laughs> and so when he's leaving, his servant's going, hey, you know, if he told you to wipe out 100, 100 soldiers and climb the highest mountain and do all this, you would do that. Maybe just consider going down to this dirty thing of water and dipping. Naaman was glad he did it God's way, right? Because the Bible says his skin was restored like a child's. So, interesting story here. Verse 48 in, in, in this story about the nobleman. Then said Jesus unto him, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Could you imagine? Jesus, I've walked 20 miles I'm here, I'm requesting, I'm humbling myself, which I never do, right, in my, in my life. 
I'm requesting that you come heal my son. He's about to die. And Jesus, the first thing he says to this guy, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Not the, I mean, Pastor Tony said that to me. I am out. I'm going to step on, I'm going to step on a Faith Family Church bulletin every day with his face on it. Right? So, so this is the way Jesus responded. Seems hard on the outside, but when you look at all these stories, what was Jesus doing? He, was try- he had to move the man to a position where he could receive. Jesus was leading man, the man from natural human faith, or we call it sense knowledge faith, that is based on what you see hear or feel, he was leading him from that to the God kind of faith, which is simply faith in God's word. He was moving this man. Faith is not faith until it moves ahead without physical proof. That's a big statement. In other words, guys, God's word is enough. We check our bodies to see if we are healed. Healing doesn't flow from the body, so why are you checking your body? Healing flows from God's word, so if you want to know if you're healed, then you have to check. Go check Isaiah 53, 1, Isaiah 53, 4, and 6, Psalm 107, 20, Psalm 103, 1 through 6, right? Go check all these scriptures, Galatians 3, 13, 14, and 29, Matthew 8, 17, 1 Peter 2, 24. I could go on and on and on, right? See, healing flows from the word. Boy, that'll set you free. Because many times when you're believing God, not only does your symptoms not change? They seem to maybe go backwards. And, and don't you hear stuff in your mind? Hey, this is getting worse. What am I going to do? But your spirit full of the word will go, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not the sick trying to get healed. I'm the healed. And now this sickness has to leave my body, and I'm not moving until it does. Because I know my high priest, Jesus, in heaven, is watching over his word to perform it. And if he said it, I believe it. Hebrews 11.1 says this, Now faith is the substance, or is the confidence, is the realization of things hoped for. Bible hope is a joyous, confident expectation. In other words, now faith is the confidence of the thing I'm expecting. I'm expecting it because God said he's given it to me. It is the evidence or proof of something that I can't see. Now faith is the realization of things expected. In other words, it's the proof that I have what I cannot see. One translation says it's the title deed, my faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith and not by sight. Psalm 27, 13, I love this one. I would have fainted unless I had believed 
to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. See, believing comes first. Believing becomes before seeing. Seeing, in other words, is the fruit of believing. That's faith. I love 2 Corinthians 4.13. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, now he's going to quote Psalm 116.10. I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Amen. Hallelujah. What does Mark 11 say? Mark eleven twenty three, 23. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Notice in this verse, the emphasis is three times to one time on the saying part. Right? So you're going to have to focus on the saying part. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the weak say they're poor, or let the weak say they're strong. Let the poor say they're rich. Why? Because that's what God says. Right? This is not the name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, confess it, possess it. We're getting God to do whatever we want with our confession. No, 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 no. Our faith which only comes as we gain revelation, knowledge of, in our heart of God's word, enables us to lay hold of and take possession of what God has already given us. That's why we say this statement that F.F. F. Bosworth coined. Faith begins where the will of God is known. So in your situation, you find God's will. And if, and if you're fighting sickness or disease, there's not a scripture in there that will tell you it's not God's will that you be healed. There's not even a scripture, it's so good, there's not even one scripture that says God will heal you. Every scripture says God's already provided it. And the, and the New Testament lays it all out and fits perfectly with the Old Testament that all of, our, all of it was paid for on the cross by Jesus. He bore it. He bore our sickness and carried our pain. And man, religion stands up and hates that. I don't want to hear that. And Satan's winning in people's lives. Right? But we're going to keep preaching it because it's the word of God. Verse 49 of this story with the nobleman. And the nobleman said unto him, Sir, come down or my child is going to die. Now this is pretty intense. The man gives this whole story and Jesus looks at him, unless you see signs and miracles or whatever, you won't believe. And the guy's like, sir, you got to come to my house or my son's going to die. I think in this is, don't you care? Right? You could, you could feel it. See, the man is still not in faith. The man had to yield to the words of Jesus in order to get the result in the same way you and I have to yield to the words of Jesus. There are people in the body of Christ that I'm just not happy. And I'm just, I'm going to walk around with this dark cloud over my life because this is not fair and that's not fair. 
And you know what happens to that person? It never gets better. Because until they yield to the word of God, which, which to do it, you got to humble yourself. It'll never change. And this is why we've got to preach the word in the love of God. Because God wants his kids well. He wants his kids increasing. He wants his kids progressing in life. If they make mistakes, he wants to come in and restore and rebuild and refresh and make new. That's who God is. The nobleman had to receive knowledge of God's word to change his thinking so that he could yield to Jesus' words and receive them. I'm going to read that again. The nobleman had to receive knowledge of God's word to change his thinking so that he could yield to Jesus' words and receive from him. He had to. Verse 50, Jesus said unto him, Go, now here's the word, go your way. I mean, it's almost like a chess match. Jesus, you got to come to my house. Dude, you got to come to my house. So Jesus finishes. You could see the finishing in this. Sir, go your way. Your son lives. That's the word of God. And when he heard the word of God, It said, this this is why the story is in the book. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken to him. Believed. It's the Greek word that means to have faith in. In other words, the man, he chose to have faith in the word that Jesus said, and went his way. In the Amplified version of this verse, it says this, And Jesus answered him, Go in peace, your son will live. And the man put his trust in what Jesus said and started home. The man had a personal revelation of God's word for his life, And he acted upon it and then received the result. This is how it works in everything. Jesus was led by his Father, or you could say through the Holy Spirit, right? You could say it this way. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit on how to minister to this man. Why did the Father lead him this way? Because he knew that, that was going to be the way that was going to help this guy. In everything that you're facing, everything you will face in life, God will help you. He, everything he's doing is to help you get in a place to where you will gain knowledge of him so that it, that changes your thinking so that you could receive the word of God and walk in the result of it. Wow. Pastor, that is... That is preaching on a level that is way beyond you. That is so good. I am so glad I came. Everybody online is going, oh, I wish I was there right now. So, 
This is the test of faith. Do you imagine? Man's got to walk 15 to 20 miles, an overnight journey. 1 Peter 1.7 says this, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. See, the man couldn't get on his iPhone and call home and FaceTime, hey, is my son, is he okay? He had no physical proof. Have you ever believed God and maybe you have no physical proof? But we've got something better than physical proof. We have the word of the creator of the universe who said, not any of this word will ever pass away. That I actually submit to this word. Wow. He had to go 15 to 20 miles with the enemy working on him. Your son's probably, you're going to go home, your son's probably been dead for a while. Right? Jesus' words, now this is big. We're kind of coming towards the close of this. Jesus' words must be focused on if faith is to be held. You can't take your focus off the word, otherwise you'll, you'll start to doubt it and you'll let it go. It was the man's faith in Jesus' word that brought the healing of his son to pass. It is our faith in God's word that brings his promises to pass in our lives. Everything. And see, this is why, like even Wednesday night, we're going to talk more about trusting God. See, to trust him is to know him. you got to know him. Because when all your trust is in him, you are immovable in him. Boy, you know, like right now, you guys are awesome. This is a room full of people that just want God. That's awesome. Thank you. That blesses me. You can speak words of faith that agree with God's word and those words will change your body, will change your marriage, will change your family, will change the course and direction of your whole life. It'll change your home. It'll change your circumstances. Everything. This is why Jesus came to give you and I Zoe life. <sighs> wow. The nobleman received by simple faith without any signs or without any, uh, just no signs at all, no physical proof, no feeling, just simply the word of God. Verse 51, and as, he was, uh, and as he was not going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, your son lives. So, so the guy's going all the way back, probably the next day, and he's, he's going towards the house, his servants are coming. Master, master, your son is healed. The miracle of healing speaks to our time because it shows us that we don't need the physical presence of Jesus to receive healing from him. Right? Psalm 107.20, he sent his word 
and healed them. I love Dr. Lillian B. Yeoman, powerful woman of God. She made this statement. Real faith thrives on tests and trials and can withstand the teeth of any opposition for any length of time. That's so good we got to say that again. Hallelujah. Real faith thrives on tests and trials and can withstand the teeth of any opposition for any length of time. Wow. Verse 52. Then inquired he of them the hour when his son began to amend. In other words, this healing, this miracle was gradual. And they said unto him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. Wow. We must learn to accept that instantaneous and gradual healings are both the plan of God. I love this. Kenneth Hagin, I never mentioned him very much, but today I mentioned him twice. Kenneth Hagin made this statement. I love this. We miss the supernatural by confining God to the instantaneous. We should not turn the switch of faith off because it's not instantaneous, right? We must count the death blow struck to the sickness or disease at the moment that we believe that we received, right? Doesn't Mark 16, 18, and they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, progressive. So I'm going to close with this, verse 53 and 54. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus had said to him, your son lives and himself believed. Notice the way it's written. And the father knew that it was the same hour which Jesus said to him, thy son liveth and himself believed. Because see, Jesus saying without him believing doesn't do anything. Wow. I love that. And it says, and his whole house, showing us once again that healing is the doorway to blessing his whole house believed. This is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. Isn't that good? Man, God is good. You know, when we were singing that song, we're like, amen. Right, the blessing? You know, amen, you gotta know what it means. It means so be it unto me. You're speaking that. God loves you today. He's not moved by where you are, what you've done, but he will move in your life and completely restore and rebuild and make new. He is the God that makes all things new. Amen? 